0: God, we come before you this morning, just you for all you've done. It's this uh, special time of year that we just think about your coming to die for us, and just what that means for us to have a relationship with you, and just a uh, gift that is, and we receive that and have eternal life. We would not take that for granted. God, just as we celebrate this week, and ultimately for Easter and Sunday, God, that we would just continue to be reminded of, of this sacrifice, and that you are good, and you're good to us, and that we would just continue to be seeking you for all the things that are going on in our lives, God, that we could just lay them down at your feet and just pronounce you as Hosanna, glory in God in the highest. God, we just uh, pray for this time now as we look into your word, just be with Glenn as he speaks, and just uh, allow each of us to pay attention to what you're saying to us this morning, God. We just give it all to you. We pray this in your name, amen. Give me seated, and the kids are dismissed at Children's Church.
1: Amen. Amen. You know, Palm Sunday is uh, an interesting day, I think, in the church calendar. As we've already been introduced through the video and songs we've been singing and the kids waving the palms this morning, that uh, it's the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and was welcomed and cheered heartily by the crowds. But it's also a day of uh, challenge, a day of conviction, a day of disappointment, a day of great contrasts. We often stop reading uh, as we read the text uh, on Palm Sunday and all of the Gospels. We'll often stop at the end of the coming into Jerusalem, but you know, that day continued. And a lot of things were going on. And, and we're going to look at the John passage today uh, related to his witness of that day. Um, and uh, so I want to take us there right now. And, and we'll read from, uh, we're going to look at the different sections. And so first I want to read in John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. And we'll go further a little bit later. But John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. And uh, I'm reading in the Louvre. Living Translation. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were, will- they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him." Well, certainly on Palm Sunday, we see an excited crowd. (laughs) We see a group of people that are gathered together Because of Passover, there was a lot of people in Jerusalem, a a lot of people. The historian Josephus wrote that on one occasion for Passover, there were 2.7 million worshipers in Jerusalem. Now, that might be somewhat inflated for this particular moment, but it certainly was a time when the city was jammed with visitors. People came from all over to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. And the crowd, as we're told in this text, was aware of a recent situation where Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. As a matter of fact, if we look back at verse 9, just preceding the text we read, um, we see that the people wanted to see Jesus and Lazarus, and the leading priests had decided to kill Lazarus too, since because of him, many of the people had believed in Jesus. And we also read, as we read here in verse 17, that many in the crowd had actually seen this happen, and they were encouraging others and telling others about it, and a crowd grew with anticipation and desire to see Jesus, and particularly, I would say, to see more of the miraculous. (laughs) They had heard about it, others had seen it, they wanted to see more, and those that hadn't seen it wanted to see something like it. And so there was this excitement in the crowd. It, you know, crowds are that way, aren't they? Um, there's a crowd mentality that takes place. And if there's something that some people seem to want to see, other people want to see it too, uh, even if you really didn't have much awareness of it before. I, I remember as a kid, we would go down to uh, Ocean City, New Jersey for vacation, okay? And, and uh, one of the things that would happen sometimes on the boardwalk okay, is that a group of kids would get together and they'd all start looking up in the air. And before you know it, there was a whole bunch of people standing there looking up in the air. And Finally, somebody would say, what are we looking at? And they say, well, I don't know. We're just looking up, you know. But, you know, it's that crowd mentality. You know, something's happening. We want to be there. All right. So that's what's happening here, really, in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. The people were excited. They were hoping they would see Jesus again do something special. And the crowd exhibited their excitement by taking palm branches to meet Jesus. Now, the day palm was a symbol used to celebrate Jewish nationalism. Okay, it was known that way. All right. And so they're, they're saying, hey, here comes the king. Here comes the one that's going to bring Israel back into the place it should be and get rid of those stinky Romans. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they were thinking about. Yeah. And so uh, they saw this entrance of Jesus into Jer- Jerusalem as this announcement that he was coming to bring Jewish freedom And independence from Rome. He was coming to establish his own kingdom. I mean, he had talked about that. He had come to establish the kingdom of God. But they had mixed it up with a nationalistic approach. Kind of a warning for all of us, I think, even in our day-to-day, that we can get mixed up sometimes with our nationalism and combine it with our Jesusism, (laughs) and we miss the whole gospel that's dangerous. And so be careful. Be careful you don't get caught up in just the excitement of a crowd that seems sometimes Christian <laughs> but maybe really isn't about Jesus. It's more about us getting what we want. Yeah. See Jesus didn't come in that way, did he? He he didn't enter on a war horse. He came in on a young donkey. And as recorded in this passage in John, it was the fulfillment of the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. It was a sign that Jesus didn't enter as a warrior king, but that he came on a mission of peace, peace with God, peace that was necessary for mankind to find because we have been at war with God. We have gone away from his desires. We have done our own thing. We have followed the ways of the devil himself. And we are under his captivity and we need to be rescued and redeemed. And so the first thing that's needed is not deliverance from a Roman captivity, but is the deliverance from sin's captivity in our lives. And Jesus, of course, comes for that reason. Declaring himself, certainly, to be the Messiah as he rode in. But a contrast from the expectations of the crowd For a national savior and even the disciples were told didn't get it when it happened but it was only after the holy spirit was given to them after the resurrection that they began to understand the fullness of what took place that day now the crowd was shouting as Jesus entered Jerusalem, praises directly from Psalm 118. It was interesting, Brian this morning in his presentation uh, of the study of Revelation uh, was talking about the second coming and the fact that there will be the recognition of Jesus as king, <laughs> that, that he is come as the king, right? As they declared from that psalm on Palm Sunday. And certainly it was appropriate to be making that declaration about Jesus because he is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, but he was entering that day not to declare himself as the total authority and bring his kingdom in as he will someday, but this was coming as the suffering Savior, coming as the one that the people really needed here to change the heart. Because if a heart's not changed, the kingdom of God really doesn't come. I mean, the kingdom of God's available for all who will come, but the kingdom of God is not in a life that is not submitted to Jesus, because he's the only way that that can happen. He's declaring himself. Now, how does he do it? He doesn't stand up and make declarations. He's been making it clear all along in his ministry, but he comes as the suffering servant, the humble one, the one who has humbled himself. Now, uh, in the NLT, it does say, praise the Lord, and, and as you heard in the video, it is true that probably at this time in history, the whole idea of using the word Hosanna, it really kind of was just like saying, praise the Lord, this is a great time, wow, isn't it amazing? It was sort of like a hooray, like it said in the video, and, and it really was. Over time, culturally, it had kind of lost the original meaning, and the people just were basically excited because of all that was happening. And they were hoping (laughs) this is our chance to get out from under Rome. But even though they didn't understand, even though they were saying these things maybe from a completely wrong perspective and reason, God was declaring his truth. It is fascinating And someday when we're in heaven, I think we'll really get it, okay? But it's fascinating to think about the fact that God can use anybody, anything, to communicate his truth. Yeah. He can even use me. You know, Paul talked about the foolishness of preaching. (laughs) You know, and I I often feel how foolish I probably sound at times. But God, if he's involved, he's going to get his message across. Even when people don't get it, he's still going to be faithful to declare what's true. Here's this crowd. (laughs) They're basically saying in the original context of Hosanna, save us, save us. Of course, they meant save us from Rome, but save us. They were really declaring what they needed to declare, but they weren't doing it with the right perspective. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Jesus wasn't cheering, he was riding in. And you know, he had wept over Jerusalem, and he would do so some more, because he knew the needs of the people, and he came for that main reason. He know your need and my need, and he rode into that city with the intent of not standing up as the king who would raise up an army and get rid of Rome, but as the one who would be raised up on the cross. Looking like a criminal, dying the death of one, but still being Jesus the king. And next Sunday we'll celebrate his victory. (laughs) Amen. But this is Palm Sunday. This is the preceding week to his death and resurrection. And Jesus says something interesting in the following section of this passage. And uh, he says that the time has come. Now, it's interesting in the midst of this, the Pharisees were in the crowd. They weren't really part of the crowd, but they were there watching what's going on, and as usual, they were quite disturbed by all of the interest and excitement about Jesus. And They felt that this response would keep them from accomplishing their plans to get rid of Jesus, but you know, it wasn't the plans of the Pharisees and religious leaders that mattered. God was moving his plan along, and Jesus would die for the sins of the world, and the Pharisees would play their part in making it happen, regardless of whether they thought they could get it done or not. It wasn't their plan. They thought it was their plan, but it was God's plan all along, and he used them to accomplish it. We find in this next section other evidences that the time has come as Jesus had been telling his disciples. So I want to read verses 20 to 24. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Hmm. Okay, here's the contrast. The crowd is excited. Jesus comes in, they think to be king, and He quickly, quickly declares that he has come to die. He gives that illustration of the kernel of wheat. Now everybody's gone after him, but in a few hours, Jesus would be completely alone. Even his disciples would desert him. But remember, all of this is in God's plan. He's orchestrated all of it he is using all participants to accomplish the salvation of the world. And we find here an interesting piece in the story of Palm Sunday. We find here an appearance of some Greeks, non-Jews, who, who were in Jerusalem. They were, they were God-seekers. They, they were really looking for God and a relationship with God. They wanted to see Jesus because they really believed that he was from God. And they wanted to have a connection and so they, they contact Philip and ask him to get him, them to Jesus. Uh, we don't really know exactly why they asked Philip. It's very possible Philip's name sounded Greek, <laughs> okay? So they thought maybe he, he might be a connection that would listen to them. Um, also, uh, Philip was from Bethsaida, which was in the area of the Decapolis, so the Greek cities outside of that area. And so maybe there was a little bit of connection somehow. Who knows? But anyway, so for some reason, Philip was their guy. Okay. And so they they got Philip and he got, they had his ear, but Philip didn't really feel comfortable going by himself. And guess who he asked? He asked Andrew to help him go to Jesus with the Greeks. Now, I find that fascinating. Andrew was a, a, a bring along people guy, right? You remember Andrew? He brought his brother Peter to Jesus, right? Yeah. Peter wouldn't have been there if it hadn't been for Andrew. We don't hear much about Andrew, but Peter we hear a lot about. But anyway, Andrew brought Peter Okay, Andrew also was the guy that brought the little boy with the uh, fish and the bread. (laughs) Andrew was a bring-along guy. Now, it's interesting. Yeah, they did. They brought them to Jesus, but Jesus doesn't really talk specifically to them. He gives his message to everybody from them coming. And he says, it's really fascinating, he says here, now... Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Why would a bunch of Greeks showing up to see him at Passover cause Jesus to say, now the time has come? Well, I'm not the only one that would say this, so it's not something I came up with, all right? (laughs) A lot of commentators would say this as well, but that is, God's plan from the beginning of time has been that all people from all over the world would be recipients of His love and His grace. It has not just been for the Jews. Now, God chose the Jews to be His people, but why did He do it? He did it for the sake of the world. He did it for the sake that the world would see how he interacted with his people so that the Jews would live such a life that they would call other nations to be a part of God's people as well. Did they succeed? Uh, No. They kind of did their own thing and they kind of enjoyed this special privilege and God said that's not what it's all about. And certainly, God continued to use his people to bring salvation to the world because Jesus came through the Jews. Jesus was Jewish. Yeah. Fully Jewish. Yeah. Divine, but Jewish. But he came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. Right? Right? But Jesus is saying, the Greeks are coming. Remember earlier in his ministry, when the woman came to him at a meal that was being put on for Jesus, and she was not a Jew, and she wanted a connection and the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, and Jesus said, I only came for the Jews. Remember the story? Yeah, and she said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs. from under the I mean, what a, what a comment. But she's saying, I understand. I'm not a part of the Jewish people. I probably don't deserve anything. But can you just give me some scraps? And Jesus said that she had a faith that he hadn't seen in Israel. He came for his own, but they didn't receive him. But to whoever receives him, John said in chapter 1, to them he gives the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Jesus is saying, the time has come for me to go to the cross because my going to the cross is for all the world. These Greeks, it's for the Jew first, but it's also for the Greeks And so we see God's hand throughout time, following Jesus' going to the cross, raised from the dead, going into the book of Acts, and the disciples, they stand up and they testify at Pentecost, and many people come to Christ, some of them non-Jews, but the majority, yes, Jews. The early church was Jews, and the disciples did not leave Jerusalem on their own, you know. They still didn't quite get it, but because of persecution, God moved them out. And then he raised up Paul, (laughs) and he said to Paul, you're going to be the missionary to the Gentiles, which was quite a change. A guy who was so Jewish, he was a mess, and he was killing Christians and thought he was doing God a favor. But God's heart's always been for the world aren't you glad? Because you're a bunch of Gentiles here. All right. Might be a few Jews here. I don't know. But thank God he's for us all. Jesus says, now's the time. (laughs) I'm going to come into my glory. And and I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce what? (laughs) A harvest, a plentiful harvest of new lives. There's the promise. There's the promise. God was bringing about a harvest of souls through the death of Jesus Christ. And we still see it today. (laughs) We see it today. I I was at a uh, China Outreach Ministries dinner this week. There was a young man there. Some of you were there who shared his testimony from a student up at Penn State University, been here for four years, Uh, came over, had no exposure to Christianity at all, none, okay? And uh, began to get involved in a Christian group and Bible study and heard the gospel wrestled, wrestled, wrestled. He loved the love of Christians. He loved the story he was hearing, but he also knew that to give his heart to Jesus would mean a real change that might be very, very difficult for him when he goes back home to China. He had an understanding of the cost. Last Memorial Day, he heard the gospel another time, actually said to the guy who shared with him, no, no, and started to walk away. Walked about five steps and turned around and said, I'm ready. Accepted Christ. Well, then the big deal is being baptized. Because once you're baptized, you've declared publicly. And don't you think that the Chinese wouldn't be aware of that at some point? And it can make a difference whether you get a certain job or whether your family doesn't want anything to do with it. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen. So he he didn't want to, he was wrestling with that. And about a month ago, (laughs) he stepped forward and declared his faith in baptism. Tong is his name. Pray for Tong. He'll be heading back to China next year. But you know something? Jesus, who came in at Jerusalem, and declared that the time is now because the gospel is for the whole world has saved Tong, a man from the other side of the world, from us, Jesus is still doing what he came to do, and that is save people from their sins regardless of their nationality. We heard it last week, then we had the change Jesus makes beyond nations when we heard Rick Kainer tell us about the Russian church taking care of the Ukrainian Christians and living like brothers and sisters even though their countries hate each other. Hmm. Yeah, I believe it can happen because I've seen it. I've seen Palestinians and Israelis who know Jesus love each other, Russians and Ukrainians. Americans and British. <laughs> we go way back, huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's some here, right? I know. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of fitting. Very good. <laughs> yeah, very good. And so through the death and resurrection of Jesus, salvation is extended to all who believe, regardless of race and nationality. Now, in this text... Uh, we find that Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. You see that in verse 23. The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. Now, the, the, word, the, uh, the phrase Son of Man uh, is taken really from a prophetic word in Daniel chapter 7. You can look it up in Daniel 7, 13 to 14. In a vision, the prophet sees one like a son of man to whom the ancient of days gives universal power and sovereignty. It's a messianic title. And so Jesus specifically, intentionally uses this title here because the way that this son of man will bring salvation is through dying. And that's when Jesus gives this parable of the kernel of wheat dying in order to produce new kernels. So Jesus makes it clear that the way to salvation and new life is through humility and dying to self. He's doing that himself, and this will be the way of discipleship for those who follow him. And so let's take a look at the next verses, verses 25 to 36. Certainly a contrast from the crowd's screaming of what Jesus says here. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me, because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. And a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come, when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Jesus now points those who would consider following him to the way of the cross. The way of the cross is what Jesus did, He gave up heaven. He gave up his life. He gave up everything to die for our salvation. And Jesus says that those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Luke records a statement like this from Jesus when he was teaching in Galilee, and he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Jesus' teaching is about personal salvation and heart transformation, not national political change he bring, he comes to bring liberation in men's hearts and he did his part for us by dying on the cross we must respond by dying to ourselves and letting him live in us and the promise is that the father will honor anyone who serves jesus there is blessing there's blessing that comes for those who will submit to Christ. Now, it's His blessing. It's not our determination. You know, as I think about the crowd being so determined that they wanted Jesus to do it the way they were thinking about, I often wonder at times if we might be the same, that we get disappointed by Jesus. (laughs) We get disappointed that he doesn't do things our way. But the way of blessing is not determining the right way ourselves, but it is submitting ourselves to him and allowing him to guide our lives. And that's where we find the true blessing of knowing God. It is truly following and not trying to lead Jesus around. It's interesting that in this text, the next statement is Jesus sharing his thoughts about not following through on what is to come. We know in another gospel that he wrestled with this in prayer in Gethsemane, even sweating drops of blood. His conclusion is the same. I will do the Father's will and bring glory to him. Not my will, he says, but Yours be done. In this text, immediately after Jesus says this, God affirms his decision by speaking from heaven that he will be glorified through Jesus's obedience. He's already been glorified, the voice says. Christ has come. He's lived a perfect life. He's glorified God in everything he's done. But he's going to be fully glorified as Jesus dies on the cross and rises from the grave. Jesus tells the crowd that the voice was for their benefit. He says he is secure already with his relationship with the Father, but what is happening now is for their benefit. Casting out Satan, dying for the lostness of mankind, and drawing everyone to himself, all for us. Obviously, the crowd does not get it. And questions come about his need to die saying that the Scripture says the Messiah will live forever and and questioning who the Son of Man is. They, They don't believe in Jesus. So Jesus tells them that they have just a little time yet to experience His light by His presence. He warns them not to be overtaken by darkness, but to come to His light and become children of light. On this Palm Sunday... All that takes place there in this witness by John for us today, I believe, is to challenge us all as to where we are. Are we in the crowd or in the light? Are we looking for the spectacular? Do we kind of have in our minds what we want from Jesus? Or are we truly following Him? Are we holding on to the things of this life or focused on eternity? Are we children of darkness or a child of the light? Jesus said, put your trust in the light while there is still time. crowd had no idea, and the disciples as well, all that was to come. Jesus had told them over and over again. We've heard it over and over. Many of you have heard it many times, and maybe some of you here today have not even yet come to know Christ. But he's loving, and he's patient, and he does not condemn them, and he doesn't condemn us today. But he says, come, come to the light. Come into a real relationship with me, not just something that's of this world, but something that's beyond this world, that's eternal. Come that your sins would be forgiven. Come that you will know the true blessings of God in your life. Come. It will be costly. It will be challenging, but I will be with you, he says. You will know me. And that's what really you need. You might think you need to hold on to the things of this world, but they're just going to go away. But if you give up the things that you think are important and come to me, you will find all that you need. Many of you here this morning are saying, Yeah, we know that. (laughs) We've come to that place. But you know, it also is a warning to us, even that have come, that we can get away from the true knowledge of God and the blessing of Him if we begin to grab on to things of this world again. So it's time for renewal as we come to this Palm Sunday. It's a time for us to say, yay, Jesus, for the real reason. <laughs> I've often told you about my almost 92-year-old mother and how she gets excited when I tell her what I'm going to be preaching about. And she said, well, what is it this week? And I said, well, you know, Mom, it's Palm Sunday. She gets lost on days. And immediately her face lit up, and she said, oh, it's such a wonderful thing. And she began to praise the Lord, and it was just amazing. Not a big crowd there, just her and me. And the cat. Why did she do that? Because she knows what it's really about. And it blessed me. And blessed you today, too. Oh, may that be true of us, right? That we're not just in a big crowd. Oh, it's the day to shout out about Jesus. So we're gonna do that. All right. Woo-woo woo! And then the next day we're all out for ourselves. No. Nah. Jesus didn't leave it there, did he? He made it real clear, made it real clear. So let's take his word seriously. There is a little time. None of us know how much time we have. You or I might not be here tomorrow. We could easily be gone. And if you haven't addressed this truth in your life today, is the day. Do not put it off. Be like that Chinese guy. You might turn around and walk five steps, but don't go any further. The day is the day. Let's pray. Lord, your Holy Spirit is the one who speaks to our hearts with conviction, with the truth about the righteousness that can be found in Jesus with the fact that Jesus truly is who he declared himself to be, the Savior of the world. I pray that as your Spirit is speaking here today, that you would make it clear in the hearts here if there's a need in their own life to receive you. Dear friend, if God is speaking to your heart, allow him to work. He loves you. The devil will try to convince you that you're losing when you come to Christ. But Jesus said if you lose your life, you will find it if you come to him. So if you're here this morning and you you haven't received Christ, I invite you right now. You can call out to him. Certainly not the magic of certain words or even the place we're in, but it is you in your sincerity of your heart saying, Jesus, I know that I am lost without you. I thank you for dying and the cross for me. I thank you for inviting me to be yours and for being my Savior. And give your life to Him. Father, You know every heart. I pray for whoever has, my, has responded that way today. And I pray that they might have the assurance of their sins forgiven. And I pray, Father, for all of us that we might walk in newness of life not be caught up in the things that seem to take our attention, but to be truly followers of Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. Hey, as we close out this morning, that if you this morning really were convicted in your heart and made a response to Christ, I'd love to talk to you or one of our elders would. Uh, Just come on up, all right? We'll chat at the end. And uh, we love you. God bless you.
2: We're going to enter into a time of reflection um, this morning. And we'll invite you here to stand at the end. But um, as these words are sung, um, just let kind of soak them in and um, listen to them. And um, it's Hosanna, but a different kind of song here. Um, But just kind of we're on our knees um, singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, heal my heart and make it clean Um, open up my eyes to the things unseen show me how to love like you have loved me Um, and as these words are sung uh, just kind of open your heart um, open your eyes uh, to what these words are saying and um, as we leave today kind of hold those as we are celebrating uh, this Easter season I see the King of Glory coming on the clouds with fire. The whole earth shakes, the whole earth shakes. I see his love and Sea, washing over all our sin the peace Would you stand with us please as we sing this last part together.